Welcome to Mentally Untable Adventures, Table Flip Number 6, RPG A Day 2016, Questions 20 through 31. Oh, this podcast may contain bad language, crude humor, and graphic violence, and it, in general is not fit for, hu- for human com- cons- consumption. That's right. You knew this was coming. RPG A Day 2016, Questions 20 through 31. It worked out good. With the holiday weekend, I spent it at a game convention playing games instead of doing editing. So we'll fill in with this, and then be back to Uncharted Worlds next week. Enjoy the show. Question 20. Most challenging but rewarding system you've learned. Um, I'm going to have to say, (laughs) at first I was thinking, boy, Palladium was really, really complicated. But then I realized that part of the wording of this is challenging but rewarding. (laughs) And there was no payoff to that complication. So I'm going to have to go with uh, Dungeons & Dragons 3rd Edition. Uh, There was a lot of complexity to that game, particularly when it came to uh, character build and progression. Uh, It got to the point where when you made your character at first level you better have planned out like the next 14 levels worth of feats and ability score bonuses to make sure that you met any prerequisites for the prestige class that you were trying to get into uh, or whatever the, uh, the the end goal of the development of the character was going to be. So you really had to plan ahead. You really had to sort of think things through. So definitely D&D 3rd Ed will win for that one. Question number 21. Funniest misinterpretation of a rule in your group? Uh, It was hard to come up with this one. The only thing that really comes to mind is back in our high school days, we had my friend Kevin's wizard. And Kevin was the guy who got picked on the most in the in the D and D group. He 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 was the the one who was always the 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 butt of the joke or the the guy who was catching the the flack. And his wizard charged on into a room. I remember uh, seeing he he saw a magic ring, and he knew like you know the thief had of course been you know sort of. Uh, laying claim to to many magic items uh or you know at least sort of uh being the first one to grab them and maybe uh trying to uh, stake a claim to some that maybe he didn't deserve necessarily or uh keeping secrets from the group and so this time having uh gotten this particular door open the wizard seeing a magic ring on the pedestal in the room said i'm not letting the thief beat me to this one he ran straight into the room grabbed the ring and of course uh, triggered the trap which then dropped him into a pit of poison gas which would then kill him uh but we sort of i don't know if it's a uh, a misinterpretation of the rule it certainly wasn't uh the way it was supposed to go but it was a ring of regeneration and so we said that maybe as he was falling uh he he could he had the option of slipping the ring on Uh, and so we said well if it's a ring of regeneration it like it brings you back up after you die 
And so we had the ring repeatedly bringing him back to life. Uh, but of course, in the in the system we were using at the time, every time you died and came back to life, you lost a permanent point of constitution. So he went through this uh, cycle of dying and being brought back by the ring of regeneration, uh, just just to you know further enhance our uh, probably dickishness. Uh, of course, this was back back in the uh, good old high school days uh, when uh, cruelty was the the name of the game, I guess. Uh, and so that was uh, you know it was it was a uh, a good giggle for us, I believe believe uh you know maybe more more for kevin in hindsight than at the time uh he was not very happy with uh, the the way that ended but on the upside he had been wishing for a ring of regeneration for a long long time and he finally got it unfortunately uh it didn't turn out as well as he'd hoped question for the 22nd supposedly random game events that keep recurring uh, for me, it's not so much events, but it's names. Uh, now, my group has gotten uh, stuck on the name. You probably have noticed in many of the recordings, it seems like every time we're asking for a name for something, someone puts forward uh, Eldridge or Steinstein as one of the names uh, for one of the things in all of our campaigns now. Uh, it's a running theme uh, that I just cannot seem to escape. Question for the 23rd. Uh, share one of your best worst luck stories. So for that one, I'm going to have to go back to a card game that I played uh, for a little while in the uh, early 2000s, uh, Warlord Saga of the Storm. I had some guys down in Kansas City that I played Warlord with. Um, they were super into the game and loved, you know, they, they bought cases upon cases of cards, and I would uh, sponge off of their uh, giant box full of uh, common and uncommon cards that they literally did not care about because they already had you know so many copies they couldn't uh, possibly use them all so I just got to build decks out of all of their commons and uncommons that they weren't using just so I could play in the tournaments and, and go along with them on things uh, and that was kind of fun for me because I wasn't really much into uh, spending a lot of money on collectible card games myself um, but one time I went to a tournament and uh, one of the components of this game uh, it sort of plays kind of like uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, in card form your characters have sort of like an attack bonus they had hit points, they had an armor class, uh, essentially, and you had uh, ranks of characters that uh, you would have to try and uh, build up the ranks to get more powerful guys out onto the field. Uh, and of course, your opponent is trying to kill your kill and collapse your front ranks to, to force, force you to have to, to fall forward and... Uh, uh, not be organized in the way that you wished. Uh, and so I played a game, and my my whole uh, uh, tactic for my army was to try and break them early. Uh, it, was a, it was a speed deck meant to just run right up to the front, try and collapse their front rank as fast as humanly possible, and not allow them to get out any of the stuff that they needed to get out before uh, it was too late. Uh, unfortunately, there is a die rolling component to this. You would have to roll a d20, add your attack bonus, and compare it to the armor class on the card that you were attempting to uh, cause a wound to. And during this particular tournament, uh, I rolled literally not one single die roll above a 5. The entire tournament. Uh, it was so bad that we actually put the die into a separate bag... Uh, because we felt that it must be particularly cursed in some terrible way and it must be punished. And I actually uh, attempted to uh, melt it in an autoclave at work uh, as punishment. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't melt uh, so good. We had to uh, 
employ more uh, brutal methods of uh, destruction upon it. But, uh, yeah. Question for the 24th. What is the game you are most likely to give to others? Lately, that's definitely a love letter. Uh, there's so many different versions of it. It's extremely cheap. It's small. It's easy to carry around. And it's a good, it's a good eye-opener game for people, for people who think of board and card games as being you know crazy eights and monopoly that that that's that's what board and card games are love letter is a nice you know small window into this other world of uh board and card games that exists out there and it can be a real eye-opening experience for people it's small it's easy to learn you know you can easily carry it in your pocket throw it in your bag uh, and it doesn't take up very much space and it's so cheap that you know I'll I'll just give it to people. If I see somebody who, who, you know, if I play Love Letter with them and they're like, wow, this is super cool. I've never seen anything like this. I'll tell them, you know what? Keep it. I got another copy at home. Uh, and so I always try and have a uh, spare copy around just for that purpose. And it makes an excellent game for that. Question for the 25th. What makes for a good character? I think a really good character has some sort of an emotional hook some possibly some sort of uh, a, a, like a character flaw that makes them interesting more than just sort of the uh the cardboard cutout of of the archetype that they are playing um you know more than just the stereotypical rogue stereotypical knight stereotypical hacker whatever they happen to be uh, as far as their occupation um, you know, if they, they've got to have something distinctive about them, some sort of, you know, emotional core to them and possibly some sort of particular quirk that makes them unique. Um, unfortunately, sometimes you, you forget to do that or, or, uh, you know, it depends on the, the time that you've spent building, uh, the character and, and also the game system sometimes can push you towards this or make this, you know, easier to forget uh games like dungeons and dragons you know lend themselves more to um characters that don't have as much of that emotional depth to them as opposed to say um a system like maybe like savage worlds or um shadow run that have you know the the merits and flaws systems usually do a, a fairly decent job of pushing you to uh give them their foibles as well as their, you know, their aptitudes. And so a game system can have a big influence on this, I think. 26th. What hobbies go well with RPGs? Reading and, in a broader sense, media consumption uh, are hugely useful when you play RPGs. They provide you with a lot of these sort of raw materials that your uh, imagination will uh, grind up and uh, churn back out in the form of entertainment for you and your friends. All of the books that you've read, the stories that you've read, the TV shows that you've watched, all of these things, you know, sort of get get mashed up inside your brain and little bits of them can uh, come out in the games that you play and be mixed and matched very well to make uh, really, really good content uh, for you and your friends. And it doesn't so much matter a lot of times even that it was stolen. Sometimes the uh, slightly familiar is ex still extremely entertaining. 
even if the people recognize where it's being sourced from, uh, they still can enjoy the fact that they are participating in that particular story this time. And the same thing goes for uh, you know characters. Uh, you can, when making your characters, it's really easy to sort of mine your uh, mental database of uh, characters that you've seen in movies and books to. Uh, model your character after whether it's in actual skill set or whether it's just in something about their look or their personality that comes through in that character but it gives you a a a sort of a hook to 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 set in that character and help you uh, establish them a little stronger early on question for the 27th most unusual circumstance or location in which you have gamed um, I think the most unusual place that I've gamed, I uh, was in my dad's garage, and I had set up, he had a, sort of a back room with like carpet, and that's where all his uh, uh, DJ equipment was, and so I set up for uh, a weekend to game with my friends, and I had set up some of the like DJ lights uh, underneath, the, well, we'd covered all all of the uh, furniture with uh, white sheets. I believe it was around Halloween time, so we'd kind of decorated for Halloween for a haunted house themed thing. So we covered all of the all of the furniture with white sheets. So it was really creepy in there. And so we brought in a table, and I set up a little uh, control station uh, from Dad's DJ equipment that uh, hooked into a bunch of the lights that I like hid underneath of places and a fog machine. And uh, I had the CD player. It was an old, I think it was a Mistara adventure, A Light in the Belfry. But it was uh, an adventure that actually had an audio CD that came with it. Uh, And so I was able to, I wanted to use this uh, uh, audio CD. So I hooked it up to the DJ unit stuff as well. uh, So I had all the light cues and the audio cues. Uh, set up to sort of coincide. I knew, you know, when when this sound file plays, I was going to flash this strobe light and you know things like that to sort of enhance the effects uh, for all of this uh, stuff that was in this uh, CD. And I have to say, it was it was pretty awesome playing like in the dark in Dad's garage with all of this uh, sound and light equipment. It was kind of a pain to get set up, but I think the payoff was definitely worth it. Question number 28. Thing you'd be most surprised a friend had not seen or read. For me, this has definitely got to be, you know, the the, the fallback position nowadays has always has been to uh, Lord of the Rings. You know, if, if people... You know, want to know what is what is Dungeons and Dragons like? You, the the default is you know you've seen Lord of the Rings, right? Well, it's like your you get to play one of those guys. That is that is by far the one that um, has become sort of the standard, and so that is the one that I would be most surprised if they had not seen it or read it. Um, unfortunately, I uh, especially at work, I hang out with a lot of younger people, and now we are getting to the point where some people have not either seen it or read it, or their only exposure was, you know, the Hobbit movies from a few years ago, but they never actually saw the the actual um, Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, so that's been depressing, but yeah, on we go. Question for the 29th. You can game anywhere on Earth. Where would you choose? Definitely for me, this, this would have to be, I would love to game at a genuine castle 
in Scotland somewhere, you know, up up in the Highlands. It's cold outside, preferably uh, thunderstorming, uh, and the uh, we're inside a, a big stone castle, a uh, large wooden table, you know, very 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 cool ambiance i think that that would definitely uh set the stage very nicely for a very cool game uh, and have a lovely view to go with it question for the 30th describe the ideal game room if the budget were unlimited the first thing that you need to know about my game room is that it would absolutely 100% be accessible through a secret door. Uh, the door would be built into a bookcase in the adjacent room, and so you would have to uh, find the you know the one the one the trigger where the mechanism would be uh, you know hooked to like say a, a particular a game book on the bookshelf. It would be you know maybe the only game book on the bookshelf, and that is the 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 latch that you must uh, activate to get into the game room. Once you get in, I imagine it's going to be not terribly large, but uh, the walls will obviously be uh, lined with bookcases uh, to hold the many, uh, many RPGs and uh, board games, uh, respectively, on the various walls. Uh, possibly also with some uh, d- uh, maybe display cases for uh, things like miniatures and other, other more uh, pretty accoutrements, uh, dice, things like that. Um, the game table, um, for sure, uh, gotta go with one of those, uh, really, really awesome, uh, geek chic game tables. Um, preferably a high top, uh, table with, uh, bar stool, uh, seating for people, cause I tend to stand when I play, uh, so having a higher table would, uh, definitely suit me better. Um, and beyond that, I think I definitely also need to have, uh, the, the wall behind me would actually be a uh, projection screen um, so that I could then put up pictures, maps, uh, things like that to uh, accessorize. Um, you know, and of course the, the lighting going to have to be uh, um, controllable lighting so I could change it based on the uh, game that we're playing to suit the mood, you know, low uh, low lighting for uh, uh, horror-themed games and other uh, things like that. I could do like sort of a flickering red light, to, uh, red and orange, to kind of simulate uh, torchlight if we're playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons or other sort of fantasy things. Maybe uh, you know, definitely a programmable light system would also be uh, a nice addition to the dream game room. Finally, question for the thirty-first: best advice you were given for your game of choice. This has to go to right from the principles of the uh, Powered by the Apocalypse games. Uh, and it's the one thing that it's, that's sort of been a, a through line for all of them, no matter which one I think you're playing. Pretty much all of them have this listed in the, the list of the principles, and it is to play to find out what happens. And that was a very sort of eye-opening experience for me to, to realize, like... To have the game tell me as the as the game master, don't don't have figured out what's going to happen. Don't don't know the answers to the problems that you're putting before the players. Just put the problems before the players and let them come up with the solutions. And that that has really changed the way I have gamed. Uh, I think and has been. Uh, uh, 
for the better. You know, I would not be able to game as much uh, as I do if I prepped like I used to prep uh, and played games like I used to play. Or, or I guess the other alternative is we would we would only, the only gaming we would be doing would be uh, you know like uh, Dungeons and Dragons Adventures League or other uh, pre-published modules. Um, would be the other uh, option, but that uh, you know, as much as I love doing uh, Adventures League play, and I just uh, helped, um, I was a DM for the Epic that was run down in uh, Sioux City, Iowa, this last uh, weekend uh, over the holiday weekend, and it was uh, wonderful. And I love uh, doing those events, especially at conventions. Uh, there's something about uh, doing the organized play at conventions that I still absolutely love. Uh, but when it comes to my home group, I'm 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 less inclined to that. I want something uh, a little more customized, a little more personalized now. So. So yeah, definitely it is play to find out what happens. That that is the that is the best advice I think for DMs is to open up some space for for you to be surprised as well and to to let the DM enjoy the game as much as the players do. musical bed for this episode was Revival by Kevin McLeod. You can find it and other royalty-free music at IncompTech.com. This work is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike 4.0 International License. All works discussed are the property of their respective owners. Our intro and outro music is by Idol Exhibit. Have a suggestion or just want to get in touch with us? Email us at mentallyuntable at gmail.com. That's mentallyuntable, no spaces or punctuation. You can like us on Facebook as Mentally UTA. That's one word, Mentally UTA. We're also on Stitcher and on iTunes. And you can find us on Twitter at Mentally Untable. M-E-N-T-A-L-L-Y-U-N-T-A-B-L-E. Thanks for listening.